What is going on, everybody? We are here, Collective Podcast, episode 19. Can you believe this, Christian? How are you feeling right now? Feeling great. I mean, I knew we were going to get to this point, but I didn't think it was going to be that quick. But yeah, so we, because originally it was like once every other week, but now we, I feel like we're throwing podcasts out there every week now. So definitely it's been exciting uh, just talking to a whole bunch of people. Whole, whole bunch of interesting people, different walks of life, different um, different careers, different uh, just outlooks in life. And today is no different, Jerry. Today is definitely no different because we are going to be interviewing Marcus Sablain. He is a very notable person in regards to the film industry, working on films earlier in his day with The Dark Knight Rises, also The Amazing Spider-Man, and is definitely taken into ventures of his own, and we're going to talk about a bunch of projects that he's been working on, not only within 2018, but what he has planned to work on for 2019. Definitely. I was looking through his IMDb. I also saw he had like a special thanks on Clerks. Too. Yeah. Clerk, clerks, too. <laughs> Something else right yeah, there. Yeah, so that, that's really, that's really uh, amazing. So, um, so we're going to get to him and... Uh, right after our sponsors lovely have you ever thought about starting your own podcast because when i was trying to get this podcast off the ground i had so many questions how do i record an episode where do i find background music and how do i even get my show on apple Podcasts, spotify and all the other places people like to listen where do i find appetizers the answer to every one of those questions is really simple anchor Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. Marcus, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? Very good. It's the unfortunate pleasure that you have to hear my voice now after a month of talking. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be said the other way around, too. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. We, we have here's here's how I always think. You got to start with low expectations and reach higher as as time goes on. <laughs> no, but I wanted to thank you very much for for uh, coming on Collective Podcast today. It's definitely been an honor uh, to talk with you and to hear more about what you've been doing. Oh no, I, I, I the thanks should be all coming from me. I truly appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the on the show. So um, thanks for reaching out. Of course, and now the most important question I need to ask you is, if you weren't wasting your time with us today, what would you be doing? <laughs> today, um, probably, probably just promoting the trailer, or actually, um, uh, probably playing Friday the 13th, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great game, Friday the 13th. Dude, I, I got that game over a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I've been addicted to it ever since. It's, like, it's, uh, that game is just so much fun. It Absolutely, is. I love it. It is, it's too bad about that, uh, about that lawsuit that, that was going on with it, that they weren't able to do any more DLCs for it. I know, and that's kind of what's killing the game, because they were about to do the, uh, the DLC for, um, for the, um, for the Jason X map, uh, the Grendel and everything, which would have looked completely different and wouldn't have been on a camp. So now the game's kind of stuck with, well, I would say five different maps that are all kind of looking the same. So 
but I mean, it's still it's still a blast to play, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's just replayability of just killing everybody. The one thing is, I, I like playing as Jason, and when you when you do the uh, the multiplayer and they randomly pick you, it's like I never get to play Jason, and when I do play, it's like everybody else is like really hard to like find and kill. So I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People do do get scattered out, and and unless you kind of like pick a really good Jason to kind of find everybody, it does it does get it gets to be a pain in the ass to kind of do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, which one? Which one's your favorite Jason to play as? Okay, so it depends on how I want to play. If I just want to be brutal with it, I play as Jason Four because he mm. can destroy doors and he's fast and. But if I really want to play strategic and avoid someone trying to kill me, I play as Jason Part 2 because he's got all those traps and I can just knock out the power boxes and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. The best-looking Jason, I, I, I say, is always Part 7. He's, he's the best-looking one. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Especially, you know, um, even in the movies, he was always the best. He was kind of like, he was kind of the peak look of Jason Voorhees, I think. Oh, yeah, um, e e even though it wasn't the best movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no. My, my personal favorite Jason movie would have to be Part Six. I mean, I love me some, you know, some Tommy Jarvis running around like a psychopath, screaming, you know. Um, oh yeah, that's everybody. Jason Voorhees is back. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's everybody. So that and four, and of course. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you can't be Crispin Glover with a corkscrew. Oh I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and of course him dancing. So that that's always good. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I have an interesting follow-up question to that. For all the for all the horror movies that you've watched in your life and for the favorites that you have, which one would you love to see be a video game in the future? Oh, that is a good question because, I mean, my favorite horror film of all time and, and the one that truly got me into horror um, was, the, was the Evil Dead trilogy. Um, oh wow! <laughs> I love Evil Dead. We're gonna yeah, go so off subject. Thanks for this guy over here. Wait, what was that? We're gonna go so off topic. Thanks for this guy over here. He's a very big Evil Dead fan. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I could talk Evil Dead for hours. Um, Evil, Dead, Evil Dead is honestly, I I used to dislike horror. I used to be afraid of it when I was younger. I was oh really? Yeah, and then I finally saw, um, for some odd reason, the trailer for um, Army of Darkness played, and I was one of, like, the three people that actually went to see it when it came out in theaters, <laughs> um, and I became addicted to it, I just would, I would watch it, and I didn't even know Evil Dead 1 and 2 existed, and then I went to a video center one day and found a book, which was basically the prehistoric IMDb that had, like, films, and it, I looked up Army of Darkness, and it said, sequel, I mean, prequel, Evil Dead 2, and I watched the series, and I've been in love with it ever since, and um, the video games, I, I own all the video games, but they just don't, I don't know, man, the, the video games have never really lived up to the Evil Dead-ness, mm. even though it's great having Bruce on there, but... There's always been, like, a want for, like, a really good Evil Dead game. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's because they didn't capture, like, the spirit of it. Like, it went off topic uh, real quick. Because I think one of them was, like, an alternate 
history one, and then another one was, I guess, a sequel? Yeah, the, the original one was, the controls were just beyond broken. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the story was interesting, you know? They had an interesting story, but it was like back in the old Resident Evil clone days. Oh, yeah, yeah. This just had, every time you would leave a screen, a monster would reappear, and, but you're your chainsaw need a fuel, and it was just, it was survival horror, and it just didn't work with Evil Dead. Nah. And then they, then they did, I think, Fistful of Boomstick. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> That one was fun, but it became tedious because there was no map. And then they did a final one that had Ted Raimi, and that one was a lot of fun. But once again, it became, it, it still, it felt less Evil Dead, it felt more, um, I'd say... It felt more just like a kind of a fun game as opposed to the Evil Dead, but they have remedied it with the with the amazing TV series. Oh yeah, I I I really I still haven't seen season three because season three hasn't been on Netflix yet, but I definitely want to see season three of uh, Evil Dead. It's worth it, you know. Yeah. It's sad that it got canceled. It is. Um, it really is. It's in all honesty, it was one of the best shows on TV. It was one of the best, like continuity wise in terms of like good good episodes throughout every season season three did feel like they kind of packed in a little bit too much but it really be it, it ends on a beautiful beautiful note and um you know it's it's worth seeing it, it does leave you wanting more but at the same time it's like okay i have an ending to this because and, and that's all i'll say because I don't, I don't want to spoil it for oh you. yeah of course so, to that point of, like, Netflix, this is something I'm curious about because I'm not the biggest, like, TV watcher, per se, but I've noticed this about, like, the continuity of, like, different shows and the amount of shows that are on now. Do you feel like with the amount of variety that we have, do you feel like there's, like, an oversaturation as far as the shows that are out and available now? And you feel like there's kind of, like, kind of like a replacement thing between all these shows, too? Um, yes, like... There is an over, I, I do think there is an oversaturation, which is good in some aspects, because if there wasn't this type of oversaturation, we never would have had a show like Astros is Evil Dead. That's so, true. You know, um, but, like, I, also, I do feel that it is, it is overwhelming. Like, um, I mean, I've got, my wife and I, we have Netflix, we've got Shudder, you know, mm. uh, we had to get Shudder because of Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, so, oh yeah, um, yeah. Last call. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Joe Bob fan, so we had to get it for that. But like, you know, but there's so many shows. Like I have, like I just finished season three of Daredevil, but like I, ha I haven't even begun to crack open um, the Haunting of Hill House. I think it's called. Um, oh, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, it's like there's so much content, there's so much material that it's it's very hard to kind of keep up with everything. And now with what they're doing with adding in new streaming services. Like Disney Plus is opening up, um, is opening up one. Warner Brothers is opening up one. Marvel's opening up one. DC's open. It's like it's too much, man. Like, you know, it's. I, I think. I think. I think it's a great for indie filmmakers because it's giving all these streaming services are actually able to hire younger filmmakers that aren't as well known and be able to get the content out there but at the same time it's also going to i feel it's also going to like strain all the uh, content because 
not everyone's going to have enough money to get all these services, so not everyone's going to be able to watch your content. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it also defeats the purpose of, like, w when you used to get, like, Netflix and other streaming sites, people would be cutting the cord of their cable for whether it be for pricing or just convenient. And you feel like now with all these streaming services, you're pretty much paying the same that you normally would with cable. Very good point. Uh, and you, with all these Very other streaming services. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you know, it, and it's tough, especially in this day and age. You know, it's like, you know, everything's more, more expensive and everything like that. I mean, especially living in New York. But I mean, it's like, you know, $7 a month, people, you know, it's like, it's like that adds up. That adds up over a year. And if you have, you know, like right now we have, we have Amazon Prime, we've got HBO, we've got Showtime, we got, um, uh, stars, which we're probably letting go soon because they don't have Astros of Evil Dead. But Shudder, you know, Netflix, like, I'm not going to be adding, and we do have regular cable, so it's like, because I am still a Walking Dead fan and Better Call Saul fan, so I got to keep those. <laughs> Good point on that, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the. There's, there's a lot I can say about The Walking Dead. Although this season, this season's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really happy with how Angela Kane has overtaken the show and the direction she's pushing it in. No, that's definitely a remarkable trait for sure, and I uh, I can definitely see it going in that direction. However, though, there is something I wanted to uh, there is something I wanted to talk about as far as maybe something else we could see on Netflix, and that could be the audit. Tell us a little bit more about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love for that. Um, so the basic summary of the of the audit is it, it's a it's a political thriller about white collar crime and corruption in Boston. Um, and the plot basically centers around like a major Boston bank in the city's financial district that's laundering money for the drug cartel. The, so right now it's in festivals. Um, and it has um, and basically it's a short version of a feature script that um, the star um, of the film, David Moore, who's a really dear friend of mine, who's also in my film Last Call. I've known David for maybe, God, it's probably 15, 20 years. So David wrote this script and calls me up one day and says, I want you to read the script, you know, I want to direct, you know, I want you to direct this. And I, you know, and, I'm, and uh, he sent it to me and it was a little bit longer version than what we shot. And it was the first time I've ever read a script while walking home and getting paranoid as I was walking home. It's, he wrote such a taut, intense thriller that really stands on its own. And the short is basically the conversation where the main character, um, Sean McDonough, uh, played by David, is trying to tell his friend played by William McManera that, um, about what's going on, about how all the conspiracies are true and how they're, the, the Zetas cartel is getting involved with the bank and all the laundering of money and they're killing people left and right and now he's petrified because he has a ledger. The ledger that has the actual physical notes of these of the money of the money laundering, and he has it, and it's and it just kind of goes from there. And um, you know, he has he had an amazing cast working with William McManera. You know, growing up, I'm, I'm a big Dario Argento fan, and Billy was in um, well, he he was in opera. You know, mm. so it's like I'm like I 
Opera is in my top three favorite Argento films. So again, being able to even work with him about that and talk to him about that was just amazing. And you know, we had Deborah Twist and we had Josh Beresford, and it was just it was a great cast, and we got to shoot it in Boston, which is where I'm from. So that's that was even better too. Um, but yeah. Not not to have such a play on words, but if you were your own auditor for the film that you just created with that, what would be the one thing you would critique the most about your project? An auditor. Um, <laughs> it, um, in terms of critiquing, you mean like, like, um, like something I would do differently? or Not even so much better or worse, what you would do differently. I mean, when it comes when it came to the audit, um, we were gonna. I'm trying to think because it was a. To be perfectly honest, the audit day one was one of my favorite days I've ever shot. That's remarkable by itself, right there. Mm. What's that? That's remarkable by itself, right there. Just knowing that you're, oh, yeah. you're gonna have that premonition on day one, it's very rare to find that, especially on a project. Oh yeah, and and the beautiful part of it was was that it was the first time I I finally got to work with David. You know, we shot in in uh, um, East Bridgewater, a place called Johnny Macaroni's, um, mm-hmm. which was great food, and they're, they're just the sweetest people over there in East Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, and then, like, a lot of the extras were friends of David's, but also I got to see high school friends that I hadn't seen in probably 10 to 12 years. They were background extras. Um, you know, my best friends were, were in it. They're, they're at the bar, you know, screaming at the bar. And then during one of the more suspenseful scenes, um, they're outside being the two drunks that are stumbling over themselves. And it was just such a great, fun experience. I think, I think if I could change something, it probably would be to just have a little bit more time with, um, with shooting. Because we kind of ended up getting a little bit rushed. Um, just because of things that were going on and stuff like that. Oh, and, sure. Um, you know, but that, that, that's with every film. You know, you always wish you had more time and everything like that. But, you know, Audit was one of those films that um, it came out great. I'm very happy with it. David's very happy with it. He want, he has the feature script now. We, we definitely want to turn it into a feature and add in more elements and stuff like that to it. And it's playing in festivals now. It's um, It premiered... Um, when did it premiere? It premiered at the, um, California International Film Festival, and then the Mystic Film Festival. So, we had some really good screens, some great feedback on that, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the, of the work that we all did, and I'm really happy with the results, which is, is always a good feeling to have. Oh, for sure. It's it's definitely something where, you know, we just shot a trailer ourselves pretty recently, uh, which is a thriller called Hillsborough. So we, we've been, like, developing a trailer for it. So with us, when we filmed that and knowing that we had that really good feeling, like, the day of and after the shoot, it's the best feeling in the world because you feel like you put in so much work, but it's very continuous and consistent throughout. It's a high. That's what it is. It's a, it's, it's, you, get, you get that feeling of adrenaline after you shoot that you just don't want to like you you just don't want to stop it's like you just have that adrenaline going you feel like you could just go again tomorrow with yeah. the same like lifestyle exactly and that's like in all honesty like people I, I i think i think it's the biggest thing that people don't get that aren't in film is that high that you have when when you're there you know 
you could go 21 hours without even eating a bite of food, and you're still going. You're you, you're still going because you're so. No, we need coffee. Ex yeah, exactly. I did. I think on one of my student films way back in the day, um, we were going and going and going and going, and it was like I think we did a 20-hour day, and I everyone else is like conking out, and I didn't. Someone had to come over to me and like pull on my shoulder and be like, dude, man, I think we should rap for the night. And I'm like, why, why? We, we, we can still shoot this scene, you know? We still got some more night. And they're like, yeah, everyone's passing out 20 hours. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should go to sleep. <laughs> and then you probably still couldn't go to sleep and wanted to do it the next day. <laughs> I stayed up most of the night um, and just kept on envisioning what we were going to do the next day. I think that's the biggest regret is you when you're shooting something, you're shooting it, and it's like, I did this film called The Break-In. Um, sure. I had this film in my mind for 10 years because I was going to write it way when I lived in Massachusetts. I just didn't have the means or the budget or the skill set to be able to shoot this thing the way I wanted to. So when I finally shot it, we shot shots that had been in my head for over 10 years, and we have this, we have this great one shot that's like, I mean, this is spoiling it, but um, the killer is dragging a body down the steps and picking the body up and bringing it outside, and it's all one. It's like it's like a five-minute one-shot, and uh, going inside and outside and everything. And I remember shooting it, and I remember because we had so much more stuff to shoot. I didn't enjoy shooting it because I was like, we got to get going onto the next take, you know, onto the next setup. So it's like you're in the moment so much that you forget to actually step back and just enjoy the moment, I guess I'd say, you know? And that's kind of something that I do wish I would do more so is just enjoy the moment when you're like, wow, holy crap, we're really doing something cool here. You know what I mean? Definitely. Oh, yeah. uh, there was actually uh, – so before we get into the last call, there's a question I wanted to ask kind of like – giving away some of like uh, the details of what you're probably going to explain. So what's the most convincing prank phone call you've been a part of in your personal life? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, so growing up, I, I, I'll put it, I'll, I'll be blunt. I was a little shit. Um, <laughs> I, I used to do pranks on people all the time. I was in, even in high school, I, I, our teachers, I would do pranks on them all the time. I mean, we would um, we would crazy glue their the they had a phone in the room, so we would crazy glue the phone so they couldn't get it up, you know, so they couldn't like make a call on the oh, phone. And we'd oh my on god! Um, you know, I would call up. Um, there was this old phone number called one one eight hundred sibling, and it was like some type of like foreign exchange student type of thing, and I would call it up and like try to set myself up or a friend up on some type of, you know, foreign exchange experience, and they would be ready to send whoever off to, like, whatever <laughs> they were sent off to. Um, I don't know what my greatest prank was, though. Uh, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's also one that I'm like, if some of the people who I did these pranks to hear it, hear this interview, they might come knock it out. They'll put you in the foreign exchange program. Yeah, 
types of pranks, and I would get into tons of trouble. But I would get away with it in a way because my mom used to work at the school. Mm. So, oh man, talk about a loophole right there. Yeah, <laughs> and instead of like expelling me, which I probably should have been expelled many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, I know one. What we did one time, we did this one prank. You know how, how in the old um um. How in the old schools, you know how they used to have, like, the paneling and the ceilings, and if you, like, sharpen a pencil and you threw it at a certain direct, in a certain angle, oh, yeah, embedded in the ceiling? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about now, for sure. It, it's kind of like cork. So, it's kind of like cork. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, cork. That's the word I was, yeah, trying to find. Um, so, what happened was, was that... Um, I just hope Mr. Wall never hears this. So he <laughs> was gone for a day and he forgot to lock his room. So I skipped school, I skipped class, and I just spent the whole day in there watching Night of the Demons 1, 2, and 3 and Night of the Roxbury. I was, you know, we'd have a VCR. So I just what a blend right there. On, yeah, I did my own movie marathon while I just went online, while, while I was actually buying Evil Dead stuff off of eBay. Mm. Um and then the final class came, happened, and, like, no one showed up, and, like, a couple of guys that I knew came in and were like, hey, we got to teach Walt a lesson to never have him leave his room unlocked. This is our teenage mind thinking, you know. So we start throwing pencils into the ceiling. That's not enough. So we start throwing pens, and then we're like, hey, we should get creative. It's an art class. Why not? So we started, like taking paintbrushes, sharpening them, sticking those in the ceilings, protractors. We put rulers. We put everything. The ceiling looked like Temple of Doom by the time. Oh, we um, and um, the next day, we left, and Mr. Wall came in because one of the guys had him in there. And he was, like, always he's, – he's always such a nice guy. He would always – but, like, he would never swear. He was always, like, very, like, goofy but, like, mm. fun. And he came in, and he's like, okay, guys, I just want to see. And he looked at us, and he goes, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm always so nice to you. He's like taking a broom, knocking it all around. The ceiling protractors are flying at him, and the compasses, like, are coming right by his feet. And like, oh, it was dangerous. He probably could have gotten seriously hurt, though. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> you, you menace. <laughs> The uh, the the best prank I ever done was we had a, a projector, and uh, we we hated this teacher. This teacher didn't know anybody's name or just was just like aloof, and when and he would um turn the projector on. And when he turned the projector on, there was a there was a like a a penis shaped uh thing on 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 his projector, and it would project on the uh on the wall. That's that's the one thing I do. <laughs> That reminds me of another prank I did. Um, this one, this one got me. I told, I met the teacher again. I told him I finally did it, like fifteen years later. <laughs> and he, uh, and luckily, don't have time to pass. Well, you know the old monitors, how you could, um, the old computer monitors, where the monitor was separate from the base. Yeah. So he would have rows of computers. So like on, so like that would be facing. It'd be two tables and like one row. So we'll say like one row of computers would be facing north, and the other row of computers would be facing south. So one day during lunch, me and my friend Dave came in, and we're like, "Oh, you know what would be really funny is if we swap the monitors with the bases, so that the people looking at the north computers that are using are going to be connected to the north to the south monitors." 
if that makes sense. Mm. So when you, so like if you're on the north side computers and you're using the mouse, they're connected to the south side monitor. So it shows up on the other computer so that you gotcha. can't. So basically it's like reversing the computers, basically. <laughs> um, so we did that to every computer. And the lab had to get shut down for two weeks because they couldn't figure out how oh to fix the computer. God. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, they they must have had a party when you graduated. <laughs> oh, I think yes, you yes, probably yes. threw it for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, they they were very happy when I left. <laughs> <laughs> they were, so, as just on the subject, just to like kind of share the story, so I did a senior prank too with a bunch of our uh, with a bunch of like our classmates or whatever. So. A lot of us like to party for sure. We were like a we were like a private like co-ed school. We all like to go out. We all like to have fun. So it was pretty much two nights before graduation. The morning of, I'm gonna say six in the morning, we had people drinking outside the campus. There was like one of oh, our God. friends completely shit faced around that time. Then on top of that, there was people, including myself, who kind of did like a mischief thing with like toilet paper. So we started like doing TPing around the school afterwards. <laughs> so, so, so then this is where the kicker comes in. Aside from the drinking, people getting drunk and, you know, all this other stuff. Also, like, you know, doing weed or whatever. There was actually somebody who brought a grill and started barbecuing at 8 in the morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was it was it was like out of a movie or something. I feel like you should have directed it at this point. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. So so the, the and one more point to like kind of go off of it is we had this like jackass in school who wanted to tie himself to the school gate in the back so no cars could have parked in the school parking lot. So you have like a traffic jam throughout like the whole block of like Victory around there. Oh my god. <laughs> So he was tied for about an hour, and our principal was known to be, like, you know, an alcoholic or whatever. He was definitely guilty of, like, drinking and stuff like that. So he was cut. So he's a very laid-back guy, but, like, he would go on his rampages as any alcoholic would. And then when he sees everything, he's like, guys, well, I've had enough. Go back into the class. <laughs> no, no one got suspended. No one got expelled. He's just like, guys, I've just had enough. I'm tired. I want to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) So as we've we've been on a tirade about our personal lives connected to the last call, just explain a little bit as to what actually is the last call about. So, okay. So basically, um, the the short version of the the story of the last call is um, it's, um, basically, it's it's about this uh, radio DJ named Harry Cunningham, um, and it's his last day on the job, and he's doing a call-in show, and um, he's you know taking call-ins of requests of old shows, whatever you want played, he'll play it. So he gets a mysterious call caller that calls in, um, demanding that he play a tape from his old prank show that never aired um, because of unknown reasons. And the the D Harry refuses to play it and tries to get the call disconnected. The call doesn't con- disconnect, 
the guy on the um, the caller finally says, "If you either play the tape or everybody dies." He refuses. They disconnect the call. Seconds later, the power goes out, and people start dropping one by one. Um, and as it was everybody that drops, he just all the killer can say is, "Play the tape. Confess what you did." Um, and that's and that's the basic. That's a very nice call. kicker right there. That's a cool concept. Just like how you tied that in. Oh, thank you. For sure. No, it, it definitely gives like an interesting uh, look to it. For, uh, for sure. Well, thanks. I mean, you know, I was kind of inspired. Obviously, you know, I was a prankster when I was going when I was younger. Um, you know, and I love. I've always wanted to do pranks. You know, and but I also know how pranks can go wrong too. Um, just from, you know, pranks that got botched, so to speak. Breakout so, fights, all the the whole nine yards. You see a lot of it on YouTube nowadays. Yeah, exactly, and it's like you know, and, and like I, I see a lot, a lot of pranks on YouTube that I'm just like, wow, okay, you guys are stupid. Like Tide Pods, really? How is that a prank? Like, <laughs> it's like uh, I don't even get it going on these Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you know, I back in the day, um, a long, long time ago, I was watching this movie called Pontypool, and it starred um, Stephen McHattie and by uh, Bruce McDonald and it's about it's basically about a radio DJ who is broadcasting he's kind of like a shock jock type of DJ uh, but he's broadcasting during what is revealed to be the zombie apocalypse and the entire thing takes place inside a radio station and it was a really creative tool and I really liked it you know but I also I've always wanted to see more of that type of thing I've always wanted to see more of like you know, of like a DJ type of situation, and my father, um, he he does a radio. He has his very own radio show, so I was kind of oh, like nice. up him. Yeah, so you know, and he's. I grew up on the oldies, you know. So, um, so doing that was also kind of a way to um, pay homage to him. I mean, and um, what ended up happening was was that I was doing a stage reading of this play called uh, Call Me Dead, and um, a friend of mine, Dee Imbert, who's one of the producers on this, is um, also stars in it alongside Terry, but um, um, came to it, and we reconnected, and then we're out one day for um, for my birthday, and it's her, my wife, Liz, who's also one of the producers, also plays Kim, and does the special effects, um, indie filmmaking at its finest. Um, <laughs> there you go. has multiple jobs. Um and, um, you know, we're, we're sitting having some drinks, and Dee says, hey, you know, I'm really good friends with Terry Alexander, if you know who he is. And I look at her, I go, no, he, no, he is. I'm like, Dave, George A. Romero's Day of the Dead is one of my favorite horror films of all time. I love Romero. I love everything Romero. And um, I'm like, of course I know who he is. She goes, well, you know, if there's a good script or something, we could, I could message him and... You know, we could, um, you know, maybe he'd be interested in it. So I go home, I have the idea for the script, I write it in, I write it, you know, write, create the characters. It's a 30-page script, which got cut down. Sent it to him, Terry loved it. And, you know, and then it, then the ball started rolling, and we started, you know, gathering funding, and then we shot it up in uh, Beacon, New York, in WHUD Radio. Um and um which was also one of the hardest things to find you know um i mean funding has always been hard but it was like 
you, know, you, you don't think that it's hard to find a radio station, but it's very hard to find a radio station to shoot in. <laughs> it's really all about the timing, too. Like the t- It's not so much like the accessibility, it's the availability. Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of, that's kind of what made The Last Call the first. So we shot it. We shot it in two parts, basically. We shot four days, um, and originally, because of the hours and everything, we shot from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Um, now, to go back to your question about the audit, what would I have done differently? That's what I would have done differently about last call. Oh, I can, because, I can imagine. Yeah, because this is the thing. You know, doing it overnight, we're used to it, we're filmmakers, that's kind of in our blood. The issue is, is that when you do an 8 p.m. to an 8 a.m., as the sun comes up around 5 or 6, your body hits a wall. So those gotcha. final two hours of your 12-hour day are just, you, you almost get consistently cut down. And, um, you know, and we shot and we got a lot of great stuff, but we had to go back and reshoot um, a lot of the killer stuff. Because um, we just didn't really have time to perfect all of like the creepy killer stuff, sure. which is very important for a slasher film. Well, it's, not, it's more of a thriller than a slasher, but anyway. Um, and then when we went back, the DP wasn't available. Um, and then I um, then we worked with um, I called in uh, my good friend uh, Steve Delasar from Fuzz on the Lens. Um, oh yeah, we're in. very good friends with them. They're the best. They are the absolute best. I love the Fuzz guys. They came in and they just kind of, and they like, you know, we shot a day and a half. We shot a scene in a basement of a pizzeria that, but in Astoria, that ended up closing down two weeks after. Oh, that's not wow. Yeah, and we don't know if it was our fault, but I don't think it is, but it's kind of a funny story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Your uh, high school days are coming back to all you. Pretty much, you know. But, like, it was great you know, just, just working with those guys. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I've worked with them several times on different things. And it's just, the thing I love about them is that they have an independent filmmaker energy. You know? It's like, well, how do, how, how do we make this arrow going out of the bow look good? Because, you know, we're doing all these takes and... I'm trying to be safe because I also do art department stuff, or I used to. I used to do props and stuff like that. So, like, I'm always conscious about set safety. You know, we're shooting bow and arrows and stuff, and in, in a radio station, and it's just it's just not looking good. And like, Steve just goes, "Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we just shoot the arrow? You know, I can put this up, and we'll do it." So we start shooting the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's times where you know, I being on being based on multiple projects with my job. It always takes that one outsider in the moment to look in, and sometimes your problems go away like that on a finger snap. It's so weird. Totally, you know, and it's the one thing I can say about indie filmmaking is, and this is what I love about indie filmmaking is that you you have to think on your toes. Oh yeah, you know, you have to be able to adapt to a situation no matter what comes at you. You know. Um, and if you're able to think on your toes and you have a team that's strong that way that can just be like, all right, well, okay, so we just lost power, you know, and we don't have lights for this thing. So how the hell are we going to light this? Oh, well, let's figure out another way to do this. Okay, this is how we can do it. Let's shoot it over here and we'll get this coverage. And you just kind of got to, you got to just be able to adapt and go with the flow. I can, anybody that ever says that they had a shoot that goes perfectly is, they never did. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. It is, yeah, total bullshit. This, you know... Now it's now it's interesting because with, with the uh, with the last call, I actually found the trailer to that under your channel into the labyrinth. Very interesting name, so I just wanted to hear like a little bit of thoughts behind like that inspiration. Um, so into the labyrinth is actually my wife's company. Oh, nice. Um, and which yeah, and it comes from she's a huge huge labyrinth fan. She her favorite movie is Labyrinth. She loves David Bowie. You know so. Um, when she created it, um, she really wanted something that, that unlocks the creativity in our minds, you know, sure. kind of the way Labyrinth unlocked the creativity in so many people. So that's kind of where, you know, so it's like, when you think about Labyrinth and going into them, there's so many things that can be in them, you know, there's so many ideas and creatures and beautiful things and scary things that can be in there and you know when you're going into the labyrinth it's kind of that you know kind of like that and when she told me that that you know she came up with the title i was like i absolutely love that it's great you know did they do the uh the the dance magic dance <laughs> that was good <laughs> no not yet we haven't gotten the rights to that yet <laughs> 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 not for any spoil words or anything yeah no 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 <laughs> so not a play on words or anything but why do your horror reviews kick ass oh wow the, uh, <laughs> um you know when i was younger um and i did the, the old website um for anyone that doesn't know i used to run a horror movie review website for Eight years, actually, oh, wow. which was kind of my starting to getting into the, you know, into the genre and meeting a lot of people. And um, what happened was, was that my, I used to always say kick ass, you know, and I would always that was that was always one of my things I would always say. And when I thought of a website, I was trying to think of a name fast, and I was like, horror reviews. I want people to think that these horror reviews kick ass. Wait a minute, kick ass horror reviews. Fuck it. And I, <laughs> And I put it on, and what was funny is that back in the day, you used to, like, you know, because you know, you didn't, they didn't have, like, YouTube and all that stuff. So, like, if you wanted to get, like, people that you would interview to kind of, like, um, say, like, something about your site, you'd be like, hey, man, you know, would you mind just, you know, throwing, you know, like, give me a good quote I can throw up there. And every single one of them had to use that that as their way of describing it, you know. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, your site totally kicks ass. And I'm like... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, uh, man, I used to have so much fun with that website because the cool thing about it back in the day, and it was a good group of people back in the day, you know, back, you know, there was Arrow in the Head with um, John Fallon. He used to run that back in the day. There was Horror Domain, Bloody Disgusting, Dread Central. Like a lot, there's very few of the websites that are still around. Um, there was Gates of Gore that Christy Langford used to run. That she's actually starting that back up now. Oh, nice. Um, which is, yeah. Um, but, like, it was a really cool um, thing because, like, I was able, through that website, I was able to get any movie I wanted to from any, you know, like, from Lionsgate, from Universal, from Fox, any horror movie. I would just send them a thing and be like, hey, Lionsgate, I want to review these 20 movies. Do you have them on DVD? And I'd get a 
box and it'd be like 17 of the movies and i'm like yay free movies um you'll step up to my it's funny you're gonna step up to our friend ian with his movie collection oh god (laughs) oh boy what does he got like 500 now he's got got 500 yeah i think he's about like 500 on his collection <laughs> oh man, oh, the clouds are too I've real. Over, at this point, I've got over a thousand DVDs. Shit. Oh my god. Blu-rays. I am. I haven't counted them recently because I've just been. I have such an influx of Blu-rays. My wife wants to kill me every time I come home with a Blu-ray. Because <laughs> we just don't have space, and now I just have stacks on stacks of Blu-rays and DVDs that are just not open. I mean, I'm looking at them right now. I've got like Suspiria, the 4K version of it, just staring back at me and I'm like oh, I want to rewatch that and Mandy which was a great movie this year um, if you haven't seen Mandy you definitely got to see Mandy but um, you know I've, I just collect Blu-rays and I love I absolutely love physical media it's something that I think the website kind of instilled in me but it's something that I love having because even with all these streaming services they're only licensed movies for so long and once that license is up, you know, they could say, well, you know what? We don't want to have the Night of the Demons collection on Shutter anymore. We want to put it onto newstreamingservice.com or wherever it is. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, but for me, I never have to worry about that. You know, I got the whole collection here, so. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly feel like you could start a museum with your collection. Oh, like yeah. in some capacity. Um, I, I definitely feel like I that's had, plausible. Yeah, I mean, I've got films in this collection that I'm like, that are very hard, hard films to find. Um, You know, like, even looking at it, it's like, there are films that, like, people are, like, trying to seek out that are just out of print because they released them, you know. Um, I've got, like, a a Sleepaway Camp. um, Oh, my God. (laughs) Sleepaway Camp. I love Sleepaway Camp. But it's the original Sleepaway Camp collection with the... um, so they released this box set, and it is like sh- in the shape of um, of a first aid kit, and mm. it has a bloody cross on it. Very creative. Oh yeah, those yeah, aren't those yeah. those aren't in print anymore. Well, they were only in print for like two weeks because mm. the American Red Cross saw it and flipped out and had them all removed. So all other copies of this just a survival kit. Mm. And they had to recall it. But I, because I was doing the website at the time, I bought the day it came out. Because I would get, I would get like, you know, like from all the companies, the release dates of all these things. I would just go to Best Buy or Circuit City when Circuit City was around and just buy these movies and just review them. So, you know, and it's like, it's that, that's kind of the thing. Like, I love having rare films that nobody has. Like, a good company that's actually putting out a lot of good ones is Vinegar Syndrome. Um, they're hmm. putting out some great hard to find films like Demon Wind which is like an Evil Dead ripoff on crack um, is that even possible? <laughs> I gotta watch that now yes yes you must Demon Wind look they had half the budget of Evil Dead but they tried their hearts out and it's just such a fun crazy wacky ride um, I couldn't even explain the plot if I tried <laughs> like, a portal that they go to they go to this random Another dimension, and they start turning into demons and start killing each other. And 
There's just random car fills of characters that just appear out of nowhere. Like, oh, these are the next five characters to get killed, and they just come in and join the group, and they're like, hey, five characters, what's going on? Oh, you're all dead. Okay, cool. No, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my I'm God. almost speechless with that right now. You gotta, I think it's on YouTube, but if you can... I feel like I'm. I feel like it's kind of like Animal House meets Inception. Yeah, pretty much. It's just with like um, a bunch of murders, like combined with it. <laughs> so, uh, if you were to make like any New Year's resolution based on covering a different type of genre of film, like what would you pick to like you know start doing like films with? Like, what's another genre you would love to start doing like in 2019 if you were to pick any? Any genre that, and it can't be horror, right? Can't be horror. Okay. Um. So I've done I've done a lot of different genres already, but the one I would love to do I would love to do an action movie. Oh, nice. Um, I'm a huge like you know I mean I grew up on Charles Bronson you know like Death Wish the movies legend. and the Legend, the Stallone, and um you know. Like, my, my best friend, Mark, um, he's huge into martial arts and all that stuff. So, like, anytime like, a new movie comes out, like, he's got to tell me that's got great fights. Like, The Raid or, mm. you know, um, I mean, the, the Raid movies are, the fights in that are insanely good. But I would love to, like, I, I, I would love to shoot a 10-minute one-take fight scene. That's what I would love to do. Oh, my nice. God. That's like, very oh yeah, that, that would be definitely, like, interesting, especially because Daredevil did that staircase scene. In season one, that was all one take, I think. Oh, I know, and it was so good. It and was then, so good. And then that, I don't want to spoil it, but there, there's that one scene um, in season three that's one full take, too. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I don't want to spoil it, so like... I, oh, no, I, 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 I caught up on season three right yeah. before they canceled it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that... See, that's what I loved about Daredevil series was, was those fight sequences. And to me, like, I... I honestly, I really do think that stunt, stunt, stunts need more respect and they need to get more recognized because the stunt act, you know, you know, the stunt performers that are in these films risk their lives with half of these stunts that are like dangerous beyond belief. And when to do a fight sequence like that, like I've done smaller fight sequences in some of my films, I always write in fight sequences. Sure. But like, it's it's one of those things that like when you see a good fight, especially if it's all one take, you're like, damn, these guys had to be on their game, you know? I mean, look, Tom Cruise, say what you will about him, but that man, that man, did you see the newest Mission Impossible? That's a man's man right there. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I I've seen all the other ones. The newest, the newest one without killing anything. Tom Cruise minus like I think. Two shots is doing every single stunt in that film. Oh wow! Himself. Yeah, he and does. Like, he does a lot of that. He does a lot of that stuff on his own because he's freaking crazy. <laughs> he's crazy. He's absolutely crazy. And it's like I can. And the, I think the only reason why he gets away with it in those films is because he's one of the main producers of those films. Mm. Because no producer is going to say, "Yes, Mr. Cruz, you can jump out of an airplane or attach yourself." And let yourself free fall to like, I mean, there was a one shot in that of him <laughs> free falling from the sky. I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> like, 
like Simon Pegg said, and I'm a huge, I love Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg said that he got in such bad anxiety every morning going to set because he said he was expecting a phone call saying, hey guys, something went wrong, Tom... Tom had an accident. We got to cancel shooting for the day. And, like, that's, like, wow, man. Like, massive respect. But they, stunt performers deserve so much more recognition for what they do. They really, really do. That's, you know? that's, what, that's, what, I, that's what I've been saying. Like, because they just, like you said, they risk their lives. But they, you got to be in peak, um, perform, like, peak physical um, attribute just in order to, like, either do that stuff, some of that stuff. I, wa- I wonder, like, uh, I wonder if they have maybe an awards category for it already for like stunt performers and stuff like. I, that. I don't think the Oscars I don't know do. If, I, you don't I, think I, the Oscars? I don't know the Oscars. Gotcha. The Oscars. The Oscars created a popular vote category or something stupid like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and I was like, I, I, I was very vocal about how I was very upset about that. Because I was like, you're going to do a popular vote category on the Oscars, and you're not going to do one for stunts? Like, because this is the other thing, too. Unlike all the other categories in terms of, like, acting and all that stuff, the stunt performers do these stunts as somebody else. You know, like, unless you're... um, I would never think of that. I would never think of it that way, too. Yeah. That's a very good point you made. Kane Hodder. Look, Kane Hodder... Kane Hodder, people people know Kane Hodder as Jason Voorhees because he wore a mask. But you don't, you know, but people don't know Kane Hodder for by his face. Right. I mean, horror fans do, but like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like these stunt guys, they do so many, so much greatness with all these films and they just hardly ever get the credit for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. They really don't. Now, uh, kind of to wrap things up a little bit, I wanted to just hear more about uh, potential future projects that you're working on for next year. So, um, so I'm right now. I'm finishing up a feature called Nick and Nikki, um, with uh, which is a modern day screwball comedy, and it's in a murder mystery inspired by The Thin Man. We've been shooting it for five years. Oh man! Um, oh my God! Write a book on that. Yes. Definitely could write a book on it, but we're shooting the last two days, the final two scenes in it um, on January 3rd and 4th, so that's going to be done. We've already got a rough cut of the film, um, and it's basically a clue meets the birdcage. Oh my thing. God. <laughs> that's something. That's something. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you know, it's been a film you know what i mean it's, it's been a it's been a crazy crazy five years with it but you know we're really looking forward to getting that out there um i have also been working on um on a tv show a pilot that we shot last year called the beautiful distraction um which is is seeking uh, is in negotiations with distributors right now and we shot that last year and we're going to shoot some more stuff coming up um I've got another, I've got a bunch of projects. Um, I've got another um, project that I'm meeting with a couple of people this weekend about. We're looking to boot up um, a short short that I did called Janice and the Golden Fleece, which was a three-minute short that won audience choice for this bar called uh, Sparrow that did a Sparrow film project every year. And um, we want to... 
we want to do the next four episodes, and it's all, it's like Mel Brooks type of humor, so it's very um, over the top, and it's very slapstick type of thing, and the first episode people have loved, and they've been wanting more since 2016, so we're finally going to be able to do that. Um, I'm also looking to turn Last Call, so Last Call is a short, and um, we, I've written the full feature script, and just cutting it down a little bit, tightening it up, and looking to turn it into a full feature, um, once again starring Terry Alexander. Um, and um, then I then there's a couple of other secret projects that are in the works that I can't talk too much about, but oh, I can tell you horror fans will love. Um, once I can announce the, this, this particular one, I know a lot of horror fans are going to... Uh, go nuts for so it's so hopefully we can hopefully that's going to be done soon and then um i know i'm, I'm leaving something out but maybe best god maybe best yet to have it be a secret <laughs> exactly sometimes I, the best things come by surprise exactly exactly you know and it's you know i mean in this industry you're always just trying to do the best that you humanly can with every project that you do and I've been very fortunate to, to work with some great, great people, you know, and, you know, and on all these different projects and, you know, I mean, getting a call to, oh, hey, you know, you're going to be working with the, on this person who you watched growing up and you're like, I'm like, wow, like, I'm just, I feel honored and I, every day I kind of pinch myself being like, oh, wow, I can't believe this is really happening, but, you know, it's, it's great. Definitely is, and I, I'm glad that you're living the dream right now. It seems like you're definitely on your way for more prosperity and to make things happen for yourself and the people around you. So, much props to you on that. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Uh, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on the podcast. We truly appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It truly is an honor, and I really do appreciate it. You know, This was a lot of fun. Oh, it was great talking to you. Learned learned a lot of stuff and a lot of common thing, a lot of common thing, a lot of common stuff we have in common. If that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess we have two things in common from that sentence. We'll definitely have to sit down someday and actually and, and discuss our love for Evil Dead. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Just hours and hours of just the intricacies of just the different shots and all the blood uh, and everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm honored oh my to. God, I could do an entire podcast just just on just on that like. <laughs> Christian, I think you've made yourself more opportunities after this. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, you, you let me know. I'm there. I will totally yak your head off about Evil Dead and tell <laughs> you my Bruce Campbell stories. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued on that endeavor. Thank you so much again, Marcus. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. You too. Bye bye. So you're a podcast listener. That's awesome. Did you know that you can enjoy an even better listening experience with the new Pocket Cast app? With powerful search and discovery tools, they've made it easier than ever before to find your next favorite podcast. It, it was even recognized by Wired Magazine as the podcast app for every iPhone user's needs. Pocket Cast is beautifully designed, easy to use, and offers an amazing features like play without subscribing and advanced episode search. PocketCast helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favorite podcasts with more than half a million shows to choose from. Change can be hard, but sometimes it's worth it. 
Download Pocket Casts today from the App Store or Google Play Store or on the web at pocketcast.com. You'll be glad you did. And there you have it for episode 19 with Marcus Sylvain. Christian, how are you feeling? I, I feel like I could still talk about Evil Dead and not get tired. <laughs> Can I really blame you, though? Even for me, I've barely watched Evil Dead once in my life, and I feel like I could talk about it now. I have a history lesson between you two. Oh, yeah, you, you, you got to watch Evil Dead, too. Army of Dark... Oh, you know what? Army of Darkness is your kind of is your kind of movie, Jerry. Can we it's, do, like, a movie review of oh, it? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Like, we'll, 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 we'll have a double feature. We'll have Army of Darkness, and we'll have Welcome to Moose <laughs> <laughs> oh back to back it's gonna back be to probably gonna be the same plot at the end of the day oh no yeah it's, it's gonna be great uh, it's gonna be hilarious <laughs> i saw oh, all the God. sarcasm in that tone right there you, you mister just, you just saw me you, jerry jerry literally saw me roll my eyes to the point that i think i need new eyes that's that's how much i rolled them <laughs> so that means your glasses really can take over for you oh yeah yeah that, that's 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 definitely gonna happen um i'm trying to think what i was gonna say something else and i totally forgot um Oh, yeah, so some more programming updates. Uh-huh. Um, next couple of weeks, hopefully, I'm not too sure. I'm talking to John Gregorio, who was on the podcast for the E3 review, and a couple other people about doing a stream on YouTube of us playing uh, Smash Bros. Super we're doing Smash that Bros. here, right? If we uh, do it? We're going to do it at John's. Oh, we're going to do it so at John's. John, he's gotcha. got the big STV. He's got the good streaming. We, we could stream it on the Caputo Collective um youtube channel which everybody keep your eye out for that it's gonna be great it's gonna be like a i think he said like a 32 man tournament or something or a 16 person tournament or something and not to spoil kenny's episode but i truly hope we play mario party in the run too oh yeah so we can so we can definitely if, if we stream it and you have your stupid dumb luck again uh about, about winning that that would be definitely the best episode of collective gaming christian my that plot alone is the reason why heroes journeys in film exist oh yeah well well, of course. <laughs> but uh, uh, Collective Gaming, of course, begins again January 2nd. It's going to be um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. They're gonna Each episode is going to drop Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6, at 6 p.m. Uh, the first uh, game we're going to be playing is Shadows of the Empire. The second is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And the third is going to be Donkey Kong 64, which is, which is going to take us all the way to May. So I have six months worth of content that I'm working on, or five months worth of content that I'm working on right now, painstakingly working on right now. You are too much of a savage with your video game. Yeah. I, I'm speechless with how much content you've planned yeah. in six and months. Plus, and plus, oh, as always, the podcast, when we're not going anywhere. Um, of we're going to be stronger than ever. I forgot to mention in the opening for anybody that's asking was wondering why why don't you see our lovely faces is because um, with when we have people uh, in studio it's going to be video when we're taking phone calls doing interviews phone calls it's going to be audio makes no sense staring at us for an hour uh, if if you're if we're talking to somebody just unless you want me to stare at Christian because he's got a set of eyes that I hope he loses from earlier in this interview oh my god but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so just keep your eyes open for everything uh, on our social media platforms, such as Twitter. You can find us at Caputo Collective, uh, Facebook, Caputo Collective Productions. Find the podcast where you can find all of our episodes, uh, just updates and everything at our Collective Podcast on 
uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, it's Caputo Productions or Caputo Collective, where you find all the archives of the podcast, all the archives of Collective Gaming, uh, some short films that we put up, um, vlogs from uh, the Hillsborough shoot, um, some Jerry Hilarity. Jerry Hilarity. Just some Jerry Hilarity. I never thought I'd hear those two things in a yeah. sentence. <laughs> some, just some hilarious uh, Jerry skits. And just behind the scenes stuff that we love uh, that we love to produce for you guys. Um, Jerry, you have anything to, uh, to yeah. plug? Guys, all I have to say is thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate everybody who's been listening. I feel like we're, we're really starting to like make our reach happen for more and more people to listen mm-hmm. to. So I'm humbled by all of you who are willing to keep listening to us. Also find us on Anchor. Yes. Anchor.fm where you'll be helping us uh, make that money, money, money. Money, money, money. Keep the lights on. Keep the podcast going on Anchor, Spotify. Well, my apartment lights on. Yeah. Apple uh, that they don't even pay for. Apple. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, I do not have to go out. Look, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Apple, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, um, yeah, all the, all those great places. Also, uh, also uh, Jerry. Jerry has officially broke. He's on the floor. He's laughing. He's trying not to make a noise. He's <laughs> Jer- Jerry's face is red. He's. He, I. I think he's. Uh, they, I. He. I think he needs help. But, We've had a total tap out right now. Yes, Jerry, Jerry's tapping. So, uh, before I rant again, just like every uh, episode, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, sorry, Joe, we don't have enough time for you. We'll be on, you'll be on the next podcast, maybe. By tomorrow. Can't go on podcast without mentioning it. All right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time on the Collective Podcast. Collective Podcast. <laughs>